Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today's interview is with Michael Pearl, the COO of Kurobu. We talked about the origin of the name Kurobu, which is very interesting, and what they're doing. So the company has raised over $10 million, and they're building out a app store or DAP store where you can build different functionality for different chains and protocols to do things like uh, stop losses automatically. He gave the example of you could uh, automatically buy Dogecoin if Elon Musk tweets, but they're building out this uh, this if then that platform with composability. So we broke that down for a good chunk of the conversation. What exactly they're building? They started off building a effectively a smart contract system using activators for when people die to manage the inheritance, which I found to be a really interesting idea because everyone using cryptocurrency will die. And so if other people don't have access to your currency after you die, then how does the currency flow on? You know, today banks and uh, uh, brokerage accounts are able to handle that. But in the world of crypto where you own it, we don't have great mechanisms in place. So we talked a fair bit about what that's going to look like in the future. Uh, Michael is a very experienced guy in fintech and Kurobu is a super exciting company. So hope you enjoy this conversation. Here is Michael Pearl. All right, Mike, Michael, Mike, which one do you prefer? Uh, Michael, I guess. Michael. All right. I'm, I'm more of a mic guy. So we got two, like you said, two mics on the mic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about your background. So you are now COO at uh, Kurobu, which I watched this story on how the name came about, which is a, a pretty cool background. Nice little YouTube video on that. The uh, m- Was it Malaysian or Madagascar, Madagascar queen? Yeah. yeah. They, they, made a, they made a coin about her. Yeah, it's basically uh, an amazing story, which is actually true. Uh, in Madagascar, uh, at the end of the 19th century, there was a queen, and the French had a, like a semi-control over the island, and they made a coin, uh, which the queen di- didn't like because of the way that she was depicted on the coin. So she uh, commanded to basically destroy all the coins. Then only nine have survived, and uh, actually we managed to buy one of the nine coins, and uh, the the name itself is basically a quarter. The meaning of the name is a quarter. And the company basically started from a mission to 
save crypto that is going to waste, basically crypto that is getting lost. And uh, estimates, let's say, of chain analysis, they they estimate that about a quarter of crypto is, is being lost due to a bevy of things like, you know, sending to the wrong address, people dying and not leaving, you know, any instructions behind them and so on. And that's the problem that we wanted to save. So hence the, the, the name, basically. Mm. I'm curious to talk about this a little bit more. So a quarter is, is roughly 25% of the crypto is roughly in this unsalvageable category from people dying or losing wallets or that sort of thing? Yes. Obviously, nobody knows for sure because the crypto market is very fragmented and uh, there is uh, you need to work very hard to get all the data and you can never get all the data, right? But those are the estimates, you know, based, based on extrapolation. So you take like a fragment of the information and then you just multiply it. Mm. And do you view that as a existential risk? Is that a, is that a, is that a seriously bad thing or does it matter or how does it sort of play into, you know, the, the long-term success of the ecosystem? <clears throat> Let's look at it from a broader perspective because um, next we'll dive into what we do right now, which is a little bit different and uh, you will see how everything comes into place. But I think that one of the biggest problems and maybe the biggest problems of all right now that stands in the way of mass adoption and uh of, you know, moms and pops using crypto and basically people uh, having a more positive view uh, on crypto, especially now in the bear market, right, uh, is basically the user experience. And the user experience is comprised of a bevy of things, right? It's uh, uh, the perils that we have, you know, such as losing your money. It's uh, the complexity of the system, right? I mean, if you see DeFi people and if they explain what they do, it sounds like you know, Chinese to me, right? It's, it's so complex. You know, there are so many steps. Something can go wrong. And that's why it attracts only a small portion of, of, of the users in the world, right? It's not like the internet. While it should be, right? That's, I, I guess we share the same vision that this should be, you know, the platform of the world for payments, for, you know, transfers of value and so on. But we're not there yet. And the way to overcome that, the, the way basically to uh, bridge this gap is to, um, to address the user experience. And it starts from the perils, you know, having some safety net for people not to lose their money so easily. And it goes to, you know, creating systems that are much more um, user friendly, you know, giving more power to the people basically to create and and basically to do what they want with their money and and you know with their um uh arts and and, and so on and so forth hmm. uh so by having 25 percent of say bitcoin by example as representative of the whole crypto ecosystem if 25 percent is in this category of unrecoverable does that present a a, a serious detriment to say adoption by uh, large institutions like brokerages, or, or is that a for the average user? Does that affect maybe the price, uh, the ambiguity of of crypto? Like, how do you sort of see the impact of the the I, loss? I, I, I think it's not a problem for big institutions because if you have enough money and if you have enough assets in crypto, you have amazing solutions right now, uh, like you know different custodians that will allow you to safeguard your money and it will not be lost. 
you know, due to a mistake that you make or due to a hack and so on. Obviously, nothing is foolproof, but, you know, it's 99% there, right? So the, you know, the whales, the heavy users, the institutionals, they have their solutions. But when it comes to the small users, they are basically unprotected. The systems that they interact with are very um, uh, cumbersome. And, and basically, that's the reason why it's a deterrent uh, effect for many people. Now, you, you know, we can rant about our banks as much as we want, but, you know, no one will imagine that, you know, he has a one out of four uh, chances of losing their, the, the money in their bank. Or let's say for a long period of time, you know, there's a very good chance of you losing one quarter of, of your wealth. It's just unimaginable, right? Um, but in, in crypto, it's, it's definitely something that uh, people take into account, you know, whether, again, due to human errors or hacks or market fluctuations, you know, look what, what, what's happening now in the markets. So, um, you know, that's the things that we should address in the next cycle. And I guess we'll talk about the next cycle uh, a little bit later. But uh, the industry needs to mature. And that's one of the biggest problems that it needs to address. Hmm. Yeah, I would imagine market volatility is pretty standard. Like there's nothing you can really, I mean, as more people use it, as the tools get better, volatility in theory would go down. But the the problems you outlined earlier, which is, hey, if I die, like if I died, my wife would be able to recover the, the cash I have in a, a Fidelity account or like a brokerage account. But if I, I mean, crypto doesn't lie and there's, no, you know, there's literally no way to get access to it if people lose the keys. So banks would be able to handle sort of the the soft issues, right? They would be able to understand, okay, the money's here, but this is a spouse. And so there's probably some term in their terms and conditions that a spouse would get access to it if they're able to prove that the person died. In crypto, have you seen any kind of, say, talking specifically about death and, and loss of keys when people die unexpectedly? Are there tools out there that people are using to provide some sort of like multi-sig or backup or proof of death and recovery? Like, it's, it seems like a very worthy problem to solve. Yeah, you know, uh, by chance, I mean, I'm actually a lawyer, and in my background, I actually handled uh, estates and, uh, and wills and, you know, uh, things of that sort. And basically, again, as you said, when it comes to banks and fiat money, it's very straightforward, right? You can have, like, different disputes between different heirs, but in essence, the, the legal system has ways to solve that, right? Because and it's something that was built for hundreds of years. But, you know, there is no court in the world that can command uh, a blockchain to, you know, release money to you if you have the wallet and you have the, the keys, right? So one of the things, actually, the, the story about the companies, the story about Kibrobo is the goal uh, in, in the beginning was to address all those issues that I've mentioned, you know, the different ways that people are losing their money. And one of the most common ways, uh, and I guess it will become more and more common and more and more acute as more people are um, holding crypto and putting crypto into, you know, putting their, you know, 401k in crypto and so on is people passing away and not leaving, you know, a viable um, uh, way to get a hold of their money for the loved ones, Right. So one of the solutions that we created, and basically that was the goal for, uh, of the company in the beginning, and we'll talk about what we do uh, now, which is slightly different, but we actually managed to create 
a fully decentralized on-chain uh, inheritance uh, mechanism, which basically allows you to hold your money, you know, do whatever you want on DeFi, Metaverse, and so on. But God forbid when something happens, you know, that person will be able to uh, inherit uh, all his or her assets to their loved ones uh, in a fully decentralized way, right? Without, you know, uh, having someone, you know, a third party that, you know, a, a lawyer or, you know, a court that needs to uh, g- give an order or something like that. Uh, everything uh, solved by the technology on the blockchain. Okay, tell me more. How does that specifically work technically? So the way it works technically is basically, um, and we'll later dive into the technology and you will understand the bigger picture. But with respect to this feature, it works in the following way. Um, our uh, uh, mechanism, which is called the Liquid Vault, okay, essentially it's an on-chain wallet with many different capabilities that a regular wallet doesn't have uh, right now. And one of those capabilities is the idea that you can pre-plan future occurrences, future use cases, okay? So in this case, we're talking about inheritance, okay? You can say that if my wallet is inactive, okay, um, during a certain period of time, let's say a year or two years, then what you have to do is to start sending money to pre-designed destinations. So you can define that, you know, one error is, I don't know, your wife, for instance, will have 50% of your assets. And by the way, you can also customize, you know, if you want to have like, 50% 50% of your Ethereum, you know, this uh, NFT goes to that person and this NFT goes to, to, to this person. And let's say 25% to your kids and so on and so forth. You know, something to your charity and whatever you want, basically. And um, sure enough, you know, when someone needs it, God forbid, then the system knows how to activate it and to do it in a fully automated way. Uh, and again, on-chain and in an uncustodial manner, meaning that we don't hold the money, the money is on the blockchain, the assets are on the blockchain, and they get distributed in, t- in time of need to the people that uh, the deceased has uh, defined years and years ago. So how, so what's the mechanism or the trigger point for, for moving the crypto? Is it just that the wallet is inactive for two years or? Yeah, basically it's a time-based uh, conditioning. Basically, you define that if, if the, the liquid vault, the on-chain wallet is inactive uh, for a period of, let's say, two years or one year or whatever, uh, then uh, the system uh, activates uh, a simple transfer, right? As, as if, you know, the person is alive and sending the money to the different uh, destinations. And then the money just uh, reaches its destination, and uh, the 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 errors basically get their their cut uh, of the of the estate. And, and how many times has this happened in production? So so, in, so uh, uh, thank God it didn't happen yet to to, to any of our clients. Uh, obviously, the okay. system has been has been tested, and uh, we ran uh, simulations of uh, of such uh, use cases. Uh, we didn't wait for two years, right? We uh, <laughs> triggered it uh, after uh, a very short period of time. But uh, in essence, the system is running. It's been vetted and uh, uh, people are using it. Uh, again, uh, I, I wish that uh, no one will have to use it, but, you know, life is life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone is going to die. Sorry yeah. to break it to anybody. Listen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so is part of the stipulation that you have to keep your crypto in the Kurobi uh, wallet? 
Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, the assets have to be stored on the uh, on-chain wallet, uh, on, on the Liquid Vault, essentially. And uh, we are looking for some solutions that will uh, allow people to store uh, part of their assets, let's say, on their MetaMask, because we understand that people, uh, first of all, use uh, a bunch of wallets, right? You don't have only one single wallet. Uh, and also, um, you know, people have reasons to store, let's say, something on their MetaMask. So they want to still have some assets there. But in essence, and right now, yes, people need to hold their money in the liquid vault in order for that money to be distributed. Uh, now, when we dive in, and I will explain the other features that the Liquid Vault has, you will understand why it's worthwhile for them to keep the money there because the inheritance part, we started off the conversation from that, but it's only a small, a, a very small feature uh, that we offer because there's a bunch of other uh, features that can uh, help them while they're alive, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. But it's such a, I think, underappreciated, I wouldn't even call it a small feature. To me, it's like, that's, that's such a huge problem, if not solved, you know, and so many times I've seen stories where some CEO, some company was hit by a bus or whatever it is. And like the, the company just destroyed and, and all the wealth that this person has accumulated is inaccessible. So it's, it seems like something that just has to get better if people are going to rely on it. I mean, I, I would think about it. I can't imagine anybody who is storing their own keys that isn't thinking about that. If you have people in your life that you, you know, you love and you want to transfer wealth if you were to die. But it's, it's like, you know, the two years is kind of, it's kind of tough because it comes with, I could see both, there's two downsides to that. One is I might forget about it for two years. Realistically, it's certainly possible. Uh, I might, you know, go on vacation. I might get distracted. I might go into a, a coma. Uh, the other thing is like, if you did die and your family needed that money next month to pay rent, it's an inaccessible for two years. It's certainly a step in the right direction, but if they don't have access to it for two years, it's, that's a big price to pay as well. Um, do you see going forward talking about this specific solution for a minute? Do you see a way to validate, uh, maybe using some off chain method with like a, a government entity certification or some, some way to say, okay, this person actually is deceased. Um, maybe there's like yeah. a collective voting mechanism where like if 20 people that you, you know, I put it, my mom, my brother, my no, cousin, no, I'm, I'm, like, uh, I'll, I'll, yeah. Mike, I'll make it easier for me. Okay. Uh, um, Right now, uh, I know, and again, that's not something that we do, but I'm, I'm giving you the background. I, there are a bunch of companies that are working with the, the U.S. government, for example, right? Because, you know, there are other governments there, uh, that have those projects uh, as well. But I know uh, for a fact, and I know uh, quite a few people that are working with the U.S. government, with the different states, on NFTing their uh, uh, documentation. So certificates of death, of birth, uh, you know, high school diplomas, uh, university diplomas, everything will be NFT. Okay. Uh, the future does not belong to, you know, a million dollar worth of apes, right? NFTs are an amazing technology. And again, no disrespect to, you know, the world of arts where, you know, this technology started off from, but NFT technology has a lot of capabilities. And I believe that in the future, in the very near future, right? I'm not talking about like light years away. But in, in the very near future, we will have the ability to have our IDs, our driver's license, and death certificates. 
on, uh, on an NFT. And the system, our system, is, is perfectly able to identify an NFT out of a certain series, right? Let's say a series that belongs to the state of Pennsylvania and to identify a specific uh, uh, unit out of that series, which is, let's say, the social security number of, of, of the deceased, right? And once the person submits, sends, presents, we, you know, the mechanism doesn't matter. But once the person has this NFT in his possession, he can get uh, a hold of the money. And uh, again, this can be a combination of, of, of a few, maybe, you know, you suggested a voting mechanism. Maybe it's also something that could be considered. But technology-wise, everything is possible, right? We started off from uh, uh, time-based um, uh, conditioning because that's what uh, was uh, at our disposal at the moment. But uh, now I can say, for instance, that technologically, we're able to facilitate this with NFTs as well. It's just a legal or, you know, an issue of the, the uh, authorities to, uh, to get there, right? In the last 10 years, over $100 billion worth of crypto has been lost or stolen, specifically because of poor key management scams and hackers. Forget not your keys, not your crypto. Software and hardware wallets have both the same vulnerability, that a single private key can be lost, hacked, or simply just misplaced. My new sponsor, the Zengo Crypto Wallet, is a total game changer, bringing wallet security to a whole new level. You have to check out Zengo, an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which is just until now only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. So Zengo, most secure Web3 wallet, is the best place to keep your crypto, NFTs, and assets secured. It's also fully recoverable using their biometric recovery system, and it's also just beautiful. Get started at Zengo.com and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's Zengo.com, code ATC for $20 back on your purchase of $200 or more. Yeah, and it seems like that's a pretty useful what would you call it? A pretty useful action that the government, a useful service that the government can provide, right? It's like maybe decentralization isn't the most useful for determining somebody's status of, of whether they're alive or not. Maybe the, like the government's good at, you know, issuing social security numbers, issuing birth certificates, issuing death certificates. Uh, so it, that's really interesting. And, and that currently the state of that is still in development companies are trying to work with governments uh, to issue these NFTs, but it's still, would you say it's pretty early stages, nothing like live in production? I, I, I think the problem right now is not technological. It's not an issue of development. I think it's quite easy to, de to develop something of that sort. I think it's more of a, of a bureaucratic issue, right? The governments need to feel comfortable about it. They need to, you know, see through all the different um, uh, questions that arise from using NFTs uh, for such purposes. But I know, for instance, that um, a lot of universities and some Ivy League universities as well are, are already creating NFT versions of their diplomas. So that's something, for instance, you know, let me give you an example. Okay, if you want, by the way, regardless of, uh, you know, a person passing away, let's say I set up a trust for my son, you know, and I want him to, you know, by the age of, uh, of 25, I want him to graduate from Harvard. Okay. So the way that I can, again, you, you, you may ask me, 
how would the blockchain know, right, that, that he actually graduated? So you create a condition where, you know, if, uh, if someone presents a specific NFT, right, if this wallet address presents a specific NFT from this specific series, right, which is the, 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 um, the university that issues this NFT and with this specific uh, ID or social security is security number, then um, send the money to that address. And again, it's something that is possible already. It's just a matter of uh, the authorities and the different institutions to um, get there and to start uh, using the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would imagine it takes, you have to have a team that is prepared to interact with those organizations. It's it, It's not enough to just have the technology potential floating around. You need people to represent companies, usually with funding and a clear on-ramp. Um, speaking of, let's talk more about the broad implications or um, desire and what Kurobu is trying to accomplish in the world. Where Just give me a sense for like where you guys are today, either revenue or employees. You raise $7 million, roughly. Um based in Israel. We, yeah. 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 So Kirobo has been around since uh, 2018. Um, the, the team is comprised of uh, 25 uh, employees. Uh, almost all are based in Israel. We have a few employees uh, overseas, but almost all the team is in Israel. Uh, and uh, we actually raised uh, up until now about $10 million uh, from VCs and from private investors. Uh, yeah, and the company basically is very, very technology oriented. We have a very strong CTO who is uh, none less than a genius. You know, I'm not talking. About, I'm talking about someone else, so I can I can really say that you know with full confidence uh, that you know always comes up with uh, solutions. You know, you can just come to him with the most crazy idea like on chain inheritance, right? And he will say, "Let me think about it." He will not sleep all night, and then in the morning he will revert to you and find a solution for it. Uh, so yeah, so the, the company is, um, uh, you know, very much oriented towards the goals. And uh, I would love, you know, to elaborate about uh, the cool things that we're working on uh, right now, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, so what, what is Kurobu doing? Like, what's the mission? And where, where is it now from like, traction, people using it or app developers or revenue, that, that sort of thing? Give me the big picture. Sure. So basically, we're now in a bear market, right? And if there is one thing, I, I've been around uh, since, I guess, the last three cycles. Okay, depends on how you count it, right? And one thing that I think both of us can agree on is that all our current conversation is based on what we know about the industry right now, right? But the industry that is going to be here in the next cycle you know, when it's going to be, I don't know, next year or in two years, it's going to be a totally different industry, right? In the last bear market, nobody has ever thought of NFTs, right? Maybe there was some technological solution in some lab, but nobody, uh, you know, thought, you know, that this is going to be one of the biggest hypes and all the DeFi protocols also, they were much, much less, um, uh, you know, uh, robust than the ones that we saw right now. So, I think that we all can agree that the next cycle will, will be very different. But I also think that, and, and that's something that we can know, right? We don't know what's going to be the next cycle. 
but we can know for sure that the next cycle will be much, much bigger because that's the way it works, right? It's always bigger. It's always, you know, a bigger chunk of adoption. And then you have the downturn. And I think, you know, when I'm, I'm connecting this to the conversation that we just uh, had earlier, the industry is not mature enough. It's not user-friendly enough. Okay. And something must change. So during this cycle, quite a few projects addressed some of the problems that we had, right? You had the interoperability projects that understood that you have to go cross-chain because you cannot just stay on one chain and you need to have cross-chain solutions, right? And you had the EVMs and the layer two projects that basically said, listen, Ethereum is great, right? But Ethereum is super costly in terms of gas fees. And that's why people don't use it or don't use it as much. So let's just create another Ethereum with low gas fees and boom, the usability is going to go to the moon. And let's, you know, let's say Polygon, they did this and they succeeded. They boosted usability. They scaled, you know, uh, at some point, transactions on, on Polygon were nine times uh, uh, the ones that were on Ethereum, right? And they succeeded in that. But that was only on the demand side, right? That focused only, only on the users. I think that one of the problems that we have right now is the creativity, the, the building part of things, okay? Right now, the DeFi space and the metaverse is a, is a, is a uh, you know, a subdivision of, of DeFi has a problem that you have a small bevy of trendsetters, right? That are leading the pack. And you have about 1,600 projects that are all copy of a copy of a copy. And the reason for that is that creating and, and developing smart contracts is extremely expensive and extremely complicated. And only a few can do that. And now I'm getting to what we, what we do, Okay. What we created is basically a new layer that is built on top of the existing smart contracts. It is something that we call smart transactions, okay? What we say is that you don't have to go that path of creating more and more smart contracts, again, that are very costly and time-consuming. You know, look at Uniswap, even this huge, uh, 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 you know, uh, and I'm saying this in a good way, this huge monster, right? Uh, Uniswap had to create another version in order to up, uh, upgrade their system. And they had to move their people to that version. They have to, they have to convince them to move there, right? The system is not scalable enough. So what we did is we basically created a system where people can build on top of existing protocols and they can have composability between the different protocols. So, and, and that's the way things work, right? I mean, if you are a DeFi user and you want to, you know, uh, do a flash loan uh, on, on some lender, right? and take this money and swap it on Uniswap, and then do an arbitrage with the one inch, and then go and stake it, and so on and so forth, you're already connecting the different protocols. But the biggest challenge right now is to connect them automatically, right? To have a system that will facilitate that. So that's basically what we're building right now. We're creating a system where the power users can be builders, okay? you will have a very easy interface with drag and drop blocks and you can create your own use cases based on existing protocols. Now, let me give you a very specific example, right? From the general, let's go to the particular. Let's say you want to have a stop loss on on um, on Uniswap, right? We just spoke about P2P 
people losing money due to market fluctuations, right? One of the most basic things in traditional finance is stop losses, which is something that is virtually non-existent now in the DeFi space. So instead of waiting for Uniswap to develop a stop loss mechanism, God knows if they want to, if they have the capacity for it, we can actually create this in five minutes, okay? We basically create another layer on top of Uniswap and we optimize Uniswap. And you will be able to do this come September 25th. That, that is basically when we're launching uh, our beta. You will be able to play with the building blocks, with the money Legos, as they are called right now, and to create many different use cases. Stop losses, you can manage your uh, liquidity, you can manage uh, you know, purchasing NFTs, many, many different use cases uh, of different pro- protocols and the connectivity be- between those protocols. That's, in a nutshell, what we're, what we're building right now, and that's the goal. It's uh, a very ambitious goal, but uh, we're already very, very close to fulfilling it. And again, as I said, uh, uh, closer to the end of September, uh, we'll actually have the system up and running, and we can uh, present uh, it to the people and, and, and have them test it out. Hmm. And, and this is something that's in de- research and development now. Is there... Do you want to talk about what's working, what what is f- functional today on Karobu or what the bread and butter has been so far? Yeah. So uh, we started off by talking about the inheritance mechanism. Mm-hmm. So basically what we created uh, and actually all this technology that I was just talking about, we, we actually uh, came across it by mistake. We were on our way to solve backup and inheritance, to create backup and inheritance solutions. We succeeded in that, and the backup and the inheritance are already running on the system. And, you know, five minutes after, after we finish the talk, you can go and you can test, test it out, and you can create your own inheritance. And that is something that is already up and running. But on our way there, we discovered a technology that allows you to do many, many different things that go far beyond that, right? And, and the inheritance is basically based on that. That conditioning that I was talking about, you can take it and, and basically scale it to many, many different use cases. I give you the example of, of stop losses, but uh, it's basically an endless list of, of examples of how you can use it and utilize it. Got it. Okay. So I imagine there's some fee, like a, is it a monthly fee or a sign-up fee to have access to the inheritance tool? So there is no uh, subscription or, or of some sort. The only thing that you have to pay is basically, uh, and I, w- I will try to, to, to explain it very shortly, right? But uh, the only thing that you have to pay is basically to, to pay to the activators. So the way it works is the following. Um, the inheritance, and by the way, all the different use cases that I've mentioned, stop losses and all the different uh, things that we will offer, all of them are basically based on a smart contract, right? An on-chain wallet, which is a smart contract-based wallet. And a smart contract is very smart, but it's stupid in some ways as well, because it cannot be automated. It cannot activate itself. So let's say, let's take the, the inheritance example, okay? So the two years have gone by. What happens with the smart contract? Basically nothing, because the smart contract doesn't know the, the two years have gone by. He doesn't, you know, sit and uh, look at the stare at the clock all, all day long. Somebody needs to trigger the smart contract. So we need a third party person 
to activate the smart contract to check himself and to execute the transaction. Okay. Why? Uh, why wouldn't it just c- keep track and say after two years? Then wouldn't I would imagine time could be baked into the smart contract? So the smart contract is essentially a bubble. Okay, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't have any uh, uh, way to check itself. Okay, it just does something uh, when he gets activated. I see. Somebody okay. needs to activate the smart contract. Okay. So basically, uh, we can activate the smart contract as Kirobo, but then it will not be a decentralized system, right? Because tomorrow morning, a court can tell us not to do it, or we can decide, you know, mm-hmm. just for spite not to do it, or whatever. So the idea is to open this to the entire community, and basically to have anyone activate the smart contract for you or for any other person, right? And the way to do that is we need to incentivize that person to do that. You know, nobody works for free. So essentially, when you pay a fee, you pay to that activator, that uh, knight in the shiny armor that is going to save you one day, you know, to facilitate your backup or your stop loss or, you know, God forbid, you know, the inheritance solution. And and basically that's that's the only fee uh, that the system will take. We will obviously take a small cut out of it and uh, uh, the ecosystem will also enjoy, but, but uh, the activators are the main beneficiaries of that fee. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, after two years, is there something specific technically that happens or an activator would just have to remember, uh, to hit that smart contract? And is it, is the activator a person with some specific, uh, like key on their computer and they just like, how how does it? Obviously, uh, uh, obviously, this will all be automated, and people will not have to wait for two years and, mm-hmm. and basically to to activate it. Uh, we will have a dashboard that you know will have all the different use cases, all the you know thousands of use cases of you know somebody needs an inheritance activation, somebody needs a stop loss activation, somebody needs you know uh, to purchase an NFT that you know they were waiting for the floor price uh, to to drop. And people will be able to activate it and they will, will be able to automate their activation as well. So we will have, uh, we will set up and obviously people as, as, as this grow and scale, people will also set up their own systems on how to optimize it. Because again, it, uh, you can earn money by doing so. Uh, so you will have an automated system where, you know, you just see an opportunity, you activate it and you get your uh, reward for it. That's uh, essentially how it's going to work. I see. I see. Yeah. And and the smart is it that the smart contract cannot technically uh, self run after uh, two years? I mean, c- could you bake into the self contract like a uh, you know if after two years there have been no transactions, then self run, or is that s- for some reason technically infeasible? So the smart contract is able to to execute something based on a condition, and that's basically what we bring to the table. But the smart contract cannot do this automatically because the smart contract basically is based on a on a here and now based. Okay, smart contract. Let's take a simple smart contract. Okay, if you send money to a specific smart contract, it sends it to twenty different people. Let's say it's you know salaries. Mm-hmm. Okay, the smart contract will send this to those twenty people as much as you want, but you will have to send this to him every single time. Right, he will not execute anything unless you send it to, to the smart contract. That's how all the smart contracts work. 
Okay. Obviously, you can, again, as I said, you can introduce a third party, a centralized element to it, right? A server, a company that will activate it. But then basically you lose decentralization. And, you know, we, we, we talked about the future of the industry. I believe that the industry will be, will be much, much more decentralized. Uh, we just saw, you know, uh, a big chunk of C5 crash, you know, during the last few months. And one of the main problems, not the only one, but what, one of the main problems there was the centralization. So we need more decentralized solutions. And from the get-go, we uh, decided that we're going to be a fully decentralized company, mm. uh, fully non-custodial, fully decentralized. So that's that's basically, and decentralization comes with the cost. So you need to facilitate this decentralization. Gotcha. And, and so are any of the activators or the people that have activation keys, I'm not sure if you would use that, that language, but are, are those, are those, uh, are they making money today? Like, is there revenue flowing through it or is it more, let's wait and wait and launch these new products. And it would only be if someone were to die using the inheritance, uh, activation fee model. Yeah. So right now you're right. Uh, the use cases are, you know, thank God are, are not, uh, something that happens every day, right? You don't lose your wallet every day. So you don't need the backup mm. and you definitely, you know, God forbid you don't die every day. So the, those use cases are right now are not that common. But in the next stage, when we're going to go uh, much deeper into much, much more frequent use cases, like stop losses, for instance. You know, a single user can have 20 activations per day and hence 20 different, you know, activators will, will, will be needed here to activate, you know, his use cases mm. multiplied by thousands of users and you, you, you can do the math. So, uh, that's why, uh, one of the things that we're doing right now, side by side with creating the system, we're working on the whole interface for the activators because we understand that this will become very lucrative and people will want to take part and to help other people and earn by doing so. And are these manual tasks that cannot be done in an automated way? That's kind of the definition of an activator. Is there, they require a human assessment or intervention where like a, a, a script wouldn't do it? So an activation in essence is just sending a transaction. Okay. When I say to, to trigger the smart contract, it's essentially to send a small transaction to the smart contract. Then the contract, the smart contract awakes, mm -hmm. right? And it checks, okay, what time is it? Okay. What do I have to do at this time? Got it. Execute. Mm. Okay. And essentially somebody needs to send this, uh, small transaction to have the smart contract, uh, basically, uh, um, uh, you know, execute whatever it is that you want to execute. Again, if the condition is met, right? If the, the condition is not met, then nothing will help. Like, like you could send it the a thousand transactions and the smart contract will stay in its place. But if the condition is met, you need to trigger the smart contract and the smart contract executes. Okay. Uh, and again, this will be fully automated. And for the, uh, from the activator standpoint, it will just be, you know, a click of a button in an opportune moment to earn some money and to help another person. Hmm. And these activators would be people uh, sitting at their desk, looking at a screen of different activation opportunities, and they're just like, boom, 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 just they just click all the way through? Or, or is any kind of 
value that they're adding to, to the, I mean, maybe technically there's this some value there, but are they doing anything specific? Like, are they evaluating the, 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 the proposal or the legitimacy of, of, is there, does my question make sense? Like, are they? Yeah, I understand. I understand. So let's take the equivalent of, uh, the equivalent of Ethereum, for instance. Uh, th- there is a reason why in Ethereum, those people are called validators, right? And miners are, are called miners because they actually validate and mine and they have a purpose that um, uh, can actually affect and, and alter the transaction and the, the, the task that the blockchain receives, right? In this case, the activators are only activating. Okay, they are just uh, doing something very uh, technical, uh, which is needed, which is necessary for the system to function. But they cannot intervene. They cannot decide if the you know if uh, uh, you know if you want to inherit everything to a certain charity, you know an activator cannot veto it, right? To 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 put it bluntly. Uh, but the people who can actually uh, affect the system and can you know do many amazing things are actually the builders. Uh, so I started off talking about um, the, the system that we're creating with, with the building blocks, right? That people can actually create their own use cases, like the, let's say stop losses and so on, right? So the builders can create amazing use cases. And the idea in the, in the near future is that if you created something that you know is, is amazing, let's say you created a script, right? You created, you took a few building blocks, you know, you, you do something on, on Uniswap, do some, something on SushiSwap and uh, on, on one inch and so on and so forth. And at the end of the day, it's something that makes you uh, a lot of money, okay? Or it's something that, you know, makes sense to you. You will be able to publish this on the marketplace that we will create for other people to mm. use. And basically, if you create something that is amazing and that is built on several protocols, which you basically co- connected them uh, and, and created something new, uh, you will be able to publish this on the on the marketplace. Other people, other users who are maybe, you know, at this point don't have such great ideas, but just want to use other people's ideas, they will be able to use that and, and to enjoy this feature that you created. And you will earn from that uh, in the form of royalties, basically. You will get a cut from this fee that the person is paying per each activation. And you will be uh, rewarded for that, for creating this amazing use case. And also, if somebody comes along and wants to uh, uh, mimic what you just did, he cannot do that. Because if you're the first one that created this use case, you will basically uh, have the ownership of this uh, of this uh, uh, creative script that you created. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So in many ways, you're kind of painting the picture of an app store. You're saying, you know, picturing the Shopify app store or, or Apple where there's a platform and there's tooling available and there's creativity that's unlocked through that tooling and access to, in the case of Shopify and Apple, it's going to be both access to 
the hardware and to the users. So you're a bridge between those. You're saying, what what in the hardware and software can I build? And then Apple has the distribution network in the users. Uh, same with, with Shopify. You guys would have, in theory, access to the tooling. You would build up the community of people who would say, okay, let me go check out what apps are available and kind of build up the app store as you go, you know, starting with, you know, where you guys are now, the, the types of tooling, um, I'm curious to learn about. So you mentioned Solana, Uniswap is the basic roadmap here to take some of the more popular, uh, DeFi exchanges out there and build in things like buy, sell, uh, time of day amount, like there's basic like trading, what would you call it? Attributes. And then you can combine that in different ways. Like if it's five o'clock and my balance is below 20% of what it was yesterday, then move Ethereum into big, like these, these are the kinds of things that you're talking about. And I presume the strategy would be to just continue to expand into more protocols and more sophisticated mechanisms of transaction. Does that, does that sound about right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you actually nailed it. Uh, the, the idea is, is, is really to create those if-then mechanisms, and imagine like if you, if you, you know, spark your imagination and imagine what, what can be the if and the then. It's basically endless because, for instance, if you lo- if you uh, plug it to uh, uh, oracles, so you can um, condition transactions by anything, right? So if you, for instance, you know, follow the markets and, you know, you, you, you want to see some, some patterns in the market. Okay. And you figured out that every time, you know, Elon Musk tweets, uh, obviously I'm not talking about Shiba, uh, you know, right. But, but, but let's take like a different token. Okay. So you found out that, you know, every time he tweets, this token spikes. Okay. So imagine if you could automate that every time he tweets, you buy this token. Right. Okay. Imagine that, you know, you, you discover that, you know, when um, you see a certain metrics, uh, a certain uh, on-chain metrics, you know that there's an interesting NFT that is being minted and you want to buy that before everyone. Mm. Okay. And there are a lot of smart people that are sitting and finding those patterns and finding those opportunities, but they are lacking the, the tools to utilize that, right? And, and to catch it in the right time. And you cannot sit in front of your computer all day because 90% of, you know, the DeFi and the NFT people are not doing this as their day job, right? So you need some powerful tools that can help you to take those ideas and to realize them in a very simple way. Now, you know, we talked earlier about the problems that people have with security, right? With, you know, protecting their assets. So the rich people and the big corporations, the big projects, they don't have this problem because if they have an idea, they go, they, co- they code it. Again, it's not so easy because smart contracts are costly, as, as I said. But to some extent, they can fulfill their ideas, okay? But if you're a savvy trader, you know, and you're, you have a lot of good ideas and you say, if only I could have, you know, this mechanism that would, you know, buy the specific token every time that Elon Musk tweets, now you will have that, okay? That's, that's basically the idea. So I think that the reference, you know, to take it from the Web2 world, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, IFTTT. Oh, yeah. This- I was just going to ask you about this. Like you have IFTTT, you have Zapier, Workado, uh, Integromat, which is now make.com. There's a lot of uh, if then then that 
combination platforms out there. Are, are they, is there competitors in the space? Like, are there people offering this kind of tooling on chain in any way today or have any obvious plans to? Yeah, so th- there are several projects that are working on this uh, conditioning uh, mechanisms. Uh, some of them are, are doing uh, a, a decent job. But uh, our, our goal is bigger than that because beyond the mere conditioning issue, so let's, let's put it this way, okay? You have some projects that focus on conditioning. Other projects po- focus on composability, which is one of the biggest uh, you know, buzzwords right now, which is basically connecting between uh, the different protocols. What we do is we do all of the above, right? So we create a conditioning that is also based on composability. So we connect many different protocols, right? In the beginning, let's say we'll have six protocols and six use cases per each protocol. But as we progress, we'll have more and more and more. And uh, uh, then we'll also have an open API so that developers can uh, uh, add even more protocols on their own. And let's say if you're Uniswap and you want to use our system, by the way, a reference to IFTTT, because at some point when IFTTT succeeded, um, let's say YouTube wanted to develop use cases on IFTTT and Spotify and you know all the other tech giants. So everyone will be able to add use cases and come to think of it, you know, the combinations between the different protocols and the use cases create almost an endless array of possibilities. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a combinatorial and explosion of like potential there. And so would you, would you be looking at building, like replicating all of the or many of the integrations that Zapier and IFTT have, like to Twitter and you know, all of the thousands that they have? So uh, I think that uh, while the, you know, the, the bare bone mechanism uh, has some similarities, I think that it's very, very different because the Web3 world differs you know, to a very large extent, right? First of all, right now, you know, the use cases are more, um, you know, assets oriented, right? Maybe in the future, uh, and actually a lot of people, you know, uh, have told us, listen, I, I have a use case for supply chain management, okay? That can be helpful, you know, by using your system, by all means, right? But uh, right now we're more focused on the on the asset uh, and the, let's say, the, the financial side of things, uh, while, let's say, Zapier and, um, and IFTTT, IFTTT are focused on, you know, personal use and personal optimization of your life on mobile, right? Zapier is more for the corporate world. So I think that, you know, we can learn about their mechanisms, but their use cases don't really help us that much. But, you know, Mike, I got to say something. Um, our philosophy is that we don't know everything, Right. We don't know everything because we, we, we can go and develop something that makes sense to us, right? But the crowd wisdom is much better than us, right? There is no company in the world that can beat crowd wisdom. And what we want to do is we want to give people the rods and not the fish. You know, we want to give them the capabilities to create, to build in a very simple way, in a very cheap way. And they can take it to, you know, many different use cases. And if their use case is, 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 is good and valid and makes sense, you know, by all means, publish it, let other people enjoy it, earn money by doing so. So that's what we want to, we want to create. We want to create a playing field, basically, where people can, you know, 
um, be creative and innovative. And that's what's lacking right now. Because again, I'm going back to the beginning of the conversation that creativity now is, is virtually non-existent because uh, building on the blockchain is very costly. <clears throat> so yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I, I, one of the things I'm, I'm curious to see how it develops is because uh, I could see the company pivoting towards or not necessarily pivoting because you're so early on this, but in the case of, say, IFTTT, Zapier, you know, Make.com, these tools, these companies, they they build they build the integrations into the the third party company like Twitter, for example, and then they allow you certain functionality as a creator on the platform. Like I can, you know, if somebody tweets, if, uh, you know, they tweet with a certain name in there, you know, there's usually a few choices. And then I'm usually building something to serve my own purposes, either that either that's personal and consumer or that's business. But none, I haven't seen any, I mean, I could be, be missing it, but I haven't seen an example where the thing that I'm building as the creative is then offered up into the marketplace. And to your point earlier, like if, if I saw that every time Elon was tweeting and the price of Shiba Inu goes up 30%, like I'm way more interested in using that for my own personal benefit than giving it to the world. Pr- pr- fi- financially speaking, I would imagine there's a bigger return on these things if people are using them for themselves and also that they tend to be uh, very person specific. Like, you know, if I'm building a stop loss on Solana, maybe that's part of my personal investment portfolio and my personal allocation of capital. Do you, is there a loose conviction on the idea that people would like offer up these apps to other people? Or is that like, hey, we're banking the company on people creating different types of apps and then our business model is part of that? Does that question make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It, it, it makes perfect sense. I agree with you that people are not keen on sharing something that is uh, a goldmine for them. And, and, and I definitely agree on that. Uh, so the way that we uh, um, basically address that is, first of all, what we intend to do, first of all, okay, is after releasing the system, we intend to engage in uh, basically to talk to the community, right? To go and talk, you know, both virtually and face-to-face in the real world, right? To go to conferences, to have hackathons, to pick people's brains, right? To show the system and, and ask them, what would you do with that system, Right. And obviously, we were also willing to reward people for do, for doing so. And first of all, there are a lot of things, you know, this example of, you know, this uh, secret sauce of, you know, Elon Musk tweeting, it's a very, very specific and uh, peculiar uh, example, right? A lot of examples are much easier. I mean, in, in the, at the height of DeFi, if you would go to the different forums and the different uh, Discord uh, servers, you would see a lot of strategies that people have posted, you know, on how to stake and how to do this and how to do that. You know, there's a new way to bridge between Phantom and whatever, and, and, and you know, you can get higher APY. People were sharing that, you know. So I, I reckon that, you know, some people will not uh, want to disclose some secret strategy that makes them a lot of money. But uh, there are a bunch of other use cases that uh, will definitely be... Um, something that people will be uh, willing to share. Also, add on top of that, the fact that they will be rewarded 
So if this is a hot feature and everyone wants to use it, you will be able to make a lot of money from, from doing that. So that, that's, that's basically the point that you would want to post something that is desirable instead of just trading with your own money um, to allow other people to do that. Now, again, those things also tend to expire, right? Nothing is forever because, you know, all those strategies, they tend to, 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 to mature and, and, and expire. So this will be very dynamic and people will be able to create their use cases. By the way, not everything is in the rounds of trading. You know, we just spoke about, uh, you know, inheritance. Okay. That's something that we came up with. But, you know, if someone wants to go and to take it to different directions of, let's say, um, uh, a, a, uh, you know, uh, a saving fund. Okay. That will allocate a certain amount of money to a person's kids or his spouse or whatever. They can do that with the system. So trading, I agree with you, it's it's much more something that you keep close to the heart and not reveal it. But uh, other use cases are definitely something that, pe- that people will want to. But even then, I think you're right. I think you're doubly right here. Like there, there's oftentimes you want to keep it close to the chest and not share. But say I'm, you know, 20 years old and I have $200 in savings and I discover this really great insight like my potential gain from that on a 20%, say 20% per month income on this, you know, Elon Musk to Shiba Inu bump. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not making that much. Like if I make $40 per month off my $200 savings, but if I put up that and a thousand other people jump on it and they like, you know, they go, even if it deflates over a few weeks because there's a lot of people using it and it kind of commoditizes the returns still, that's probably a way bigger return for me. So I think it's, you know, there's probably some element of the individual trade-off. Like if I have 10 million, even a tiny little insight would be great. But if I'm low on capital, high in creativity, I'm probably pushing out a bunch of different apps, which is also the dynamic, like in in the Apple App Store, like you see a, a ton of apps out there by small independent developers, not with a lot of cash flow, And then you see a couple apps that are, you know, $20 million, $30, $50 million gaming apps that are really sophisticated by, you know, multi-million or billion-dollar companies. But there's also, those. it's not linear returns. It's like sometimes a developer with $200 in in savings can make a huge app. And that's the the exciting thing. So either way, you got to put tools out there to know, know what people do with them, right? Yeah, I like what you said about, you know, if you are, you know, high on creati- creativity and low on cash, right? And and I, I think that the one of the main problems that we have right now is that, you know, you have this amazing vision about the blockchain and crypto and what have you, you know, to have it decentralized and democratized. But, you know, let's face it, we're not there. It's super centralized, right? As we saw, you know, just, just a few months ago with all the uh, CFI protocols, uh having a lot of control over your uh, assets. It's uh, very much not democratized, right? In a sense that, you know, the small user doesn't have really anything to say or any influence on, you know, the big protocols. And what we want to do, and, you know, we want to be modest about that. We don't say that we will, you know, solve all the problems, but we want to get, you know, DeFi and the crypto in general much, much closer to decentralization and, and de- democratization. Because when you will have those tools, that means that you have capabilities that until now, only you know the genius developers and uh, the protocols that can hire them 
those are the ones that had those capabilities until now. Yeah, I love it, man. I love what you're doing. Is there anybody else doing anything similar? I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to be a, a big user. There, I have so many different idea, ideas that I could picture doing this. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure that there's some competitive nature to it, but is there anyone else that's building like anything that touches? Like we mentioned companies off-chain typically, but is anybody else doing anything on-chain? So um, I think I mentioned earlier that uh, there's a bunch of companies that are addressing composability, yeah, yeah. right? The connection right. between the protocols. And others are uh, addressing the uh, the conditioning, the if then, right? But basically what we offer is a combination right. of all. And, uh, you know, to elaborate on, on the competitive edge here, technology-wise, security-wise, that's something that, you know, we can do for another hour. But I can just say in two words that... Uh, the system that we're building, and again, I want to be modest about it, uh, is going to be very secured uh, and and very robust. And you know, competition is something that is welcome, but I don't see any company on the landscape that is addressing this. At least not the That's way. It's exciting. It's, it's it's cool to be working in a company that has such a clear, like it's actually not a hard vision to articulate, and it's clear that if you guys build it people will come and they'll they'll build creative shit on top of it so <laughs> i'm excited for you anything else uh you wanted to throw out there i know we we touched on the metaverse a little bit earlier you're traveling to a bunch of different conferences anything else that you're interested in or have an opinion about that you want to throw out there yeah so i i think that um, again the next cycle is going to be much bigger and is going to have a lot of different capabilities you know you mentioned the metaverse um, you know, sure enough, it's not going to be just about, uh, you know, um, uh, cool VR stuff and so on, right? There's going to be a lot of real world use cases. You know, we just said how, you know, NFTs morphed from, you know, uh, apes into uh, being college diplomas, right? We're going to see a lot of creativity in this space as well. And I'm very excited about the next cycle. I think it will bring a lot, a lot, a lot of new users uh, it will bring back some old users that now are a little bit, uh, you know, discouraged from uh, being in in the industry. And I'm very excited about it. And I think that, you know, infrastructure companies, and I think that we are uh, such, need to work very hard to make sure that the next cycle will create a better industry that will be much more capable of, um, you know, attracting and facilitating all the needs that these people will have. So it's a very... It's a very tough, uh, tough task, and uh, it, it's it's also hard because n- nobody knows when the next cycle is going to come, right? So it can be in a in a year, it can be in two years, uh, but things have to change. You know, we have to build, we have to change the industry, we have to create uh, a much much more user friendly um, system and and infrastructure for everyone uh, to come and use. And eventually, that's how we will get to mass adoption. You know, not just as a in theory, but yeah. in, in practice. Yeah, I view it as a, as a race against time. And with the 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 way you lose this battle is if crypto doesn't make enough projects, enough progress to get enough large scale institutional investment and political leaders that are supporting it. If that doesn't happen, then the, I view there's a large risk that governments start to like change their perspective and view it as an existential threat to the governing bodies and then now as a crypto community we're behind the eight ball and like now we're up against 
instead of integrating with banks and governments, now we're like fighting with them. And it's so it's yeah, you got to prove the prove the use case. I totally agree with you. And I think that, uh, you know, one of the threats, and again, we, we, sp- we spoke about the problems with the technology and, and, and you know, the industry, but a- an external threat is obviously the governments. I mean, what we see now with the CBDCs, the central bank uh, decentralized currencies, you know, presumably it's, it's good news, right? Because, you know, now moms and pops are going to hold crypto, but it's not really crypto, right? You talk about not being decentralized, not being democratized. Um, I think that the governments are, uh, you know, uh, in some countries, right? Not, 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 not everywhere, but uh, in, in many countries, uh, you know, the governments are focusing on curbing this growth. And that means that we have to work uh, double as hard as, you know, to bring real use cases to, to show that the industry is safe for the people. And uh, that people can actually, you know, to some extent, uh, do whatever they do right now in the traditional finance, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the burden is is on us to prove that people have those yeah. capabilities. So true, so true. Hey, Michael, are you writing, tweeting, anything you want to throw out there from the personal standpoint? We'll have all the links to uh, Kurobu in the show notes. Uh, to be honest, I should be writing and tweeting. I, I didn't have much time between uh, uh, work, which is like 90% of my time in the family. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I would I would start writing more and, and basically putting those ideas on, on, on paper. And do uh, it. And uh, yeah. the different... Write it up. Share it with me. I'm happy, yeah. to, happy to push it out there. And... Um, Thanks for hopping on today, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, buddy. Bye. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts, tweet about it, or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you.